Welcome to the All People Podcast, where we talk all people all the time. I'm your host, Elisa Southall. My goal is to improve Canada and employee experiences, as well as company cultures throughout U.S. employers. We do this by leading with empathy, diversity, inclusion, equality, teamwork, and transparency. Come on this journey with me. Welcome back to the All People Podcast, where we talk all people all the time. I am your host, Elisa Southall, and I am here with Sarah Blankenship. Um, Sarah is the, uh, the mind behind Gen X Nation. Thank you for being here, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Elisa. Um, so tell us a little bit about Gen X Nation. What is Gen X Nation? Why did you start it? Right. Give us a little bit of insight. Boy, I don't even know how, I never know how to answer that question. I just laugh. Um, so Gen X Nation, um, how did it get started? That I guess is the real question. Um, I did not start out to become this uh, mouthpiece, unofficial mouthpiece for all things Generation X. Um, I had read an article, I was lying in bed one night, read an article about Gen Xers, which if you even read anything about Gen Xers, it's normally not flattering. Usually we're just kind of overlooked because, you know, we're labeled as the forgotten generation. And so I read this article that was basically just talking about how irrelevant we were and we're over and, you know, we're, we're basically worthless in the workplace, just all these negative things. And so me being very typical generation X, I did not like hearing that. And so the next day I rattled off a post on LinkedIn about all the reasons why Gen X is amazing. You know, not that I'm biased or anything, right? You know, all the reasons that that generation X is amazing and why we are not irrelevant. We are not forgotten. And so almost instantaneously, this post went viral and, you know, LinkedIn picked it up several different um, ways. And then BuzzFeed reached out to me. And so the response from my fellow Gen Xers was overwhelming. Um, I had literally hundreds of Gen Xers reaching out to me who were like, I want to, I want to join your mission. I want to join your group. And I'm like, what mission, what group? Like all I did was just like vent about how mad I was that, you know, there was shade being thrown at my awesome generation. Right. And so I started looking on LinkedIn for groups that were, you know, specific to generation X and there was almost nothing out there you know, millennials, you all have got it covered. Like, I mean, there's probably thousands of millennial groups out there, right? And, you know, because your voice is very loud, very strong. And, and for Generation X, it was, there was just crickets. I mean, there were a handful, small handful of groups that were out there, but almost no engagement. And so I think it was probably last June, last July, that I decided to just start a group and just see what happened. And the response has just been incredible. I mean, I talk to Gen Xers all day, every day, and the stories that I hear, the people that I get to connect with is incredible. And so here we are, um, you know, with the the small, but, but very quickly growing group on LinkedIn, the engagement is off the charts, you know, the, the daily engagement is crazy. I think the average group member comes back, you know, three to four times a day to the group, which is very high engagement, you know, and, and it's been a, a really exciting and awesome surprise that I just kind of fell into this by simply running my mouth, <laughs> which I'm really 
get at? <laughs> you were taking a little tip from us millennials who like to air, you know, air stuff on social media because that's what we're used to, right? Right, um, right. And the thing that, well, okay, don't get me started because this is like so in my alley is that, you know, Generation X, you all have had social media. You have had so many outlets from from the get-go, you know, from your teen years, especially through your early adulthood, where the only outlets that that generation really truly had was our culture, you know, our music, our movies, our clothes. We didn't, it's not that we didn't have a voice, you know, we definitely had a voice, um, but we just did not have the social media outlets like your generation did. So um, that's something that that I think is is very important to note about our generation. Yeah, and that's awesome. And I will say, you know, Sarah and I speak once a week, right? We sort of found each other. And now we're just like, we have to be talking to each other at least once a week, or else it just feels like our lives are empty. Um, that's right. But part of that is, you know, you, you understand sort of oh, millennials, right? I'm a millennial. Everybody knows that. I get, you know, we get shade thrown at us a lot, right? Because millennials are awful and we're the worst thing that happened to the workplace and whatever else. Um, and so we talk a lot about that because, you know, Generation X gets a lot of shade too. And one of the things, you know, you and I were talking about doing some collabs and I was actually surprised when I went out and I started looking at Generation X and I was trying to find an article that said, what are the traits of Generation X? And it was like, there wasn't anything I could find. There's no article written about Generation X. It's just like, and as you said to me, you're like, they're the forgotten generation, right? Nobody remembers Generation X. And so tell me a little bit about those traits. What do they look like in terms of, you know, sort of typical Generation X traits? Yeah, I remember the day that we we Googled what the traits were between gener Generation X and Millennials. And it's funny because when we did that search, there were like dozens upon dozens upon dozens upon dozens of not very flattering things about Millennials. Um, I, I want to get this straight right now. I am not a Millennial hater. I am team millennial all day long. Uh, you know, some of my favorite coworkers ever have been millennials. I, I'm a big believer in bridging the gap between generations. And so I thought it was so funny. You know, I remember us laughing when we were, we were looking, looking up the differences between Gen Xers and millennials and, and the, about the only thing that I can remember seeing about generation X was that we're independent. We were the latchkey kids. We're dependable. We're steady. You know, we're loyal. And that was pretty much it. You're like, that's it. That's like, that's all that there is about you all. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's really good stuff, but yeah, I mean, they just don't talk about us because, you know, again, we don't have the collective voice like millennials have. We just don't. And, and it's interesting to see that voice getting louder and louder. Like, for example, if you're on TikTok, um, there are some, some voices of Generation X on there that have gained, I mean, considerable ground, even just since COVID, um, that are, are really causing Generation X to, to be heard and to be seen in a way that we just have not been in the past. Because one of our traits that, that we are known for, especially when it comes to the workplace, is that we just put our heads down, we do our job, we do what we're told, and we don't question it. Because, you know, respecting our elders and listening to authority, that is something that's very near and dear to most generation Xers hearts. I mean, that's how we were raised, you know, respect your grandparents, respect your elders. And, and so 
what we're finding is a lot of the, the good traits that we have as a generation that we're loyal, we're dependable to a fault, I think a lot of us are finding now, has, has not really done us any favors in the workplace because what we've seen is a lot of Generation Xers you know, which Gen, Gen X, just to clear that up, um, we were, Gen, Generation X was born between 1965 and 1980. We also have what is called a micro generation, which are Xennials, which were born, depending on which study that you find, it's going to be around 1977 to 1983-84-ish. So I'm 1977 model, and I'm right at the beginning of that Xennial generation. And so the Xennial micro generation we are kind of the crossover generation that we can relate really well to millennials. We can, re we can relate equally well to Gen Xers. Um, but what we're finding is that too many of Generation X have done exactly just what I, I said earlier is we put our head downs, we worked, we did jobs that told us to do. You know, you have Bob over here who's grandfather and, you know, great grandfather, you know, like two, three generations back, they've been accountants and all right, when it comes time to go to college, what did he do? He just accounting because that's what everyone else has done. And, and there wasn't a question of, hey, I don't even like accounting. Like I, I want to be a scuba diving instructor or, you know, whatever it is that, that Bob wanted to do instead. And now, you know, in our, in our forties and fifties, a lot of Gen Xers are waking up and realizing I'm not doing what I was meant to do or that, or what I wanted to do, or that they're just now realizing that they have the opportunity to just, they have the choice, they have the opportunity to decide. And so, all of the, the good qualities that we have have kind of bit us in the butt as a generation because where millennials invented, you know, the term job hopping, which I don't know that that's the right word, but, you know, aggressively growing in their career and climbing the corporate ladder very quickly, not staying in a job for more than a, a year or two at a time so that you could quickly advance to management. Um, Gen Xers, you know, even just five years ago would never have dreamed of that. Like I've been at my job for 10 or 15 years, you know, I, why would I leave? Even though they're underpaid, they're undervalued, there's no career, career path, clear career, I can't even say clear career path um, for where they could go moving forward in their career. But again, they just kind of sat back and shut up and did what they were told because that's what was expected of our generation. So um, I find that our best traits are also traits that have held us back, unfortunately, in the workplace. Yeah, and, and I can certainly see that. And, you know, I, I will say even from an HR perspective, right, we often hear, um, even like I said, in HR, we often hear, oh, it's baby boomers and millennials. And it's like, but there's a group in between that nobody's even acknowledging, like that they're in right. And so- I was talking about how the baby boomer is just like the millennials and vice versa. And, you know, as you mentioned, you're, you're a millennial ally, right? You're in a millennial camp all the way. You, you totally agree. But part of what you and I like to talk about is the fact that the generations, they bring a lot of strengths to each other. You know, you talked about us with they social do. media um, and, you know, those baby boomers have a lot of the historical knowledge and data that come with being in roles. And so how does, how do you feel like Gen X works into that sort of strength base? 
in turn in in what way and working with the younger generations is that what no, you're in general saying? so like you know like there are strengths and obviously strengths and weaknesses of all the generations but when you look at what millennial what the gen x brings to the table right that they can help millennials with or that they can maybe help baby boomers with right what do you see those as well i think that the the number one you know not uh, I would say like one of the top traits of being generation X and what we stand for is we are adaptable. I mean, we were, we were latchkey kids. A lot of us, I mean, myself included, um, I would, I would be off the bus at four o'clock. My mom didn't get home until four or five 30. And I was expected to see my younger siblings off the bus to do laundry, to get dinner started. And at, from a young age, from like, you know, 12, 13 years old, um, we're very adaptable. We are almost experts at um, disaster management because, you know, who knows what's going to happen whenever you're home at a young age like that. What what could unfold with younger siblings? You know, they fall, they get hurt. And, you know, back then we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have texting or anything like that. I mean, we had parents that we might not even be able to get in touch with, you know, and we were responsible for taking care of, of our family. And so, one of the, the major benefits to Generation X in the workplace is that you know, we can think on our feet. We can adapt very quickly. I mean, we grew up in the era where, you know, I can still very clearly remember our first family computer and, um, you know, dial up internet. For those of you who don't know what that is, like, oh my gosh, stone ages in technology. I mean, I remember the first time my mom and I planned a family vacation on the internet. We would run over to the computer and we would type in a search for, you know, whatever it was we were looking for and then have to leave the room and come back 10 minutes later to see if the page had loaded, you know? And that was, that was what our technology was. And so patience, I mean, we definitely learned patience where, you know, Gen Z and millennials have that very, um, technological, like, what is it I'm trying to say? Mindset of just like instant gratification. You know, we want it, we want it right now. Well, we didn't have that growing up. I mean, it was a much slower way of life, which makes me sound like I'm like 80 years old, but it's true, you know, and, and we were not completely connected. I mean, we, we didn't have cell phones. We, we could leave for the entire day as children and be gone for, you know, 10, 12 hours playing with our friends. And our parents were like, come home when the streetlights come on. So we were fiercely independent. And I think that that translates really well into the workplace that, you know, we don't need a lot of direction. Um, it also is kind of can be a negative because we're independent to a fault, you know, micromanagers, me as a generation, a, you know, member of generation X, do not micromanage me. I, I just, I can't handle it. And a lot of Gen Xers feel that same way. Like we can figure it out. Technology, adopting new technology, we'll figure it out because we haven't always had it. We've straddled the lines between no technology, really. I mean, minimal technology when you think about the true technological age. Um, and then also having to learn all that technology. And so we're very adaptable in the workplace. And, you know, I see that as, as, you know, there's just so many benefits to Gen Xers, not again, not throwing shade at the other generations, but I mean, it's something that I'm very passionate about speaking to because the fact that some of us 
Gen Xers are sliding in towards 60 years old. You know, age discrimination, even though it's technically illegal, illegal, it is very much alive and well, unfortunately, especially for us Gen Xers. I mean, and that makes me so sad because some of the brightest minds that I know are, we're not ready to just roll over and, you know, crawl into a hole because we're considered old, right? I mean, we are still ready to kill it in this, you know, maybe final third um, of our book that we're writing for our careers. We're not ready to quit. We're not ready to give up. And so many people as Gen Xers struggle to find roles at this point in our life because, you know, employers look at our resumes and think, oh, we have too much experience or we'll want too much money or, you know, too much this and, and or, oh, they're too old. So they couldn't possibly adopt the technology that, that we would need them to adopt when I don't think it can be further from the truth. So that's- yeah, even, even to your point, Sarah, I mean, I've even heard it be well, they're going to want to retire in three years. So why right. are we going to waste the time oh. to train them and like, you, yes. know, put them, you know, yes, which, which really that opens up like a, you know, completely other topic is that when we, so I had my first job when I was 10 years old, I was a babysitter and I moved out of the house when I was 18 years old. I was working full time while I was in high school. I mean, I have worked my entire life. I mean, as, as soon as I could work and earn a wage at 10 years old, I, I had to be earning money. And, and when you talk to other Gen Xers, it, it is definitely a common theme that you hear. We've always worked. We've always made money. We've always been resourceful. And when the topic of retirement gets brought up, we're, I question whether or not Generation X will ever truly be able to retire because so many of us that are currently working full time, we have, um, you know, side hustles. Some of us have multiple side hustles and, and, you know, we don't know how to sit still and just relax because that was not really an option for us. You know, we worked and worked and worked all the time. And, and so, it's, it's kind of like a hobby of ours. We love it. It's, it's a big part of our identities that we were hard workers and, you know, driven in the workplace. And, and so many people counted on us and relied on us. We didn't want to let people down. And so that has translated into a lot of us that even though they are like the older millennial or millennials, older Gen Xers that are heading towards retirement, the ones I've spoken to, they're like, uh, no, I will not be retiring. Like I may retire from this job, but then I will be starting, you know, my next career because we just don't know how to just sit down and not work. It's just so deeply ingrained in us that I don't know. I would love, I can't wait for the numbers to start coming in when, when, you know, we do reach retirement age, how many of us are going to be starting the next chapter in our careers? You know, it's going to be fascinating to me to, to see how that unfolds. Well, and I'll even say, you know, that's an example of sort of how our culture and our society is coming in too, because baby boomers, we're in this, we're in the point in our world where we're at five generations in the workforce. I imagine we're going to get to six generations in the workforce before too long here. Um, And that's because like, financially, we can't retire when we used to be able to retire. You know, so that's a piece of it. But then I think, like you said, your generation, even my generation, we're, we're like, we need to be in 100 projects, right? So like, we're like, we need to be this and this and starting up. And so we're always going to be, you know, working, even if it doesn't 
even if we're supposed to be retired, right? So I think that that's going to continue right. to be the way it works. I, I agree with that point. And, and, you know, the thing about it though, generation X, I mean, yes, every generation has like their major societal events that, that we've all lived through and millennials, especially the older millennials and younger um, Gen Xers, you know, we survived a lot of the same stuff, but in different ways. I mean, in 2008, my ex-husband was in the mortgage industry and we went from making the most money we'd ever made to $0 almost overnight. I mean, because he was a hundred percent on commission. So we have survived so many recessions and, and not just that but we were the really the last generation who held out any hope of receiving a pension when a lot of gen xers began their careers we were we were basically given the promise that we would have pensions right and as we moved into maybe a decade or so and in, into our careers a lot of gen xers are realizing yeah, those pensions are gone. The pensions that I was promised, they're gone or they're next to nothing. And so where they could have been saving 401ks, you know, and other retirement um, options throughout their career. I mean, a lot of Gen Xers have had to completely start from scratch, you know, mid-career and start and starting to save for their retirement. And the biggest threat to Gen Xers, in my opinion, is that you know, you're talking about six generations getting ready to, to potentially be in the workplace at, at the same time, which I think you're spot on with that. But for Generation X, one of the scariest things is that, you know, Gen X, we are still scrambling to catch up from all of the times that we have been, you know, hit down by, by these, you know, major hits to the economy. You pair that with the fact that, in a lot of cases, Gen Xers are simultaneously taking care of older boomer um, parents that are already facing major health problems. Or even in my case, you know, helping to take care of my, you know, almost 90-year-old grandmother, you know, and then partner that with adult children that are living at home that a lot of us are still helping to care for, and even potentially grandchildren that we are taking care of. And all of this is falling, falling on our shoulders while we are struggling to finish strong in our careers. And we have so many obstacles that are, that are trying to just knock us down and not allow us to finish successfully, you know, in this portion of our career. I totally agree. And you know, one of the things I think is really unique about you, Sarah, is that not only are you an advocate um, for Gen X, you know, you talk openly about this community that you've built and you're trying to get people to come into that community and help individuals in that community, but you've also spent some significant time career coaching for Gen X. Why do you feel like, you know, that specialty is necessary? How are you helping those individuals in the Gen X community stand out in a different way? Well, that I kind of, that is another thing that I, I more or less fall into by accident. Um, you know, I, I lived in the world of recruiting for about four years and 
even though I left recruiting, I always joke that you can leave recruiting, but it's never going to leave you, right? <laughs> because if somebody, if, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend knows that you can do interview prep or, um, you know, resume writing, like you're always going to be the person that they turn to, right? And so I've always done career coaching on the side, you know, since I left recruiting and, and just something I'm very passionate about anyway. Well, in the past year or so, I started seeing these common themes within all of the job seekers. A lot of them had been at the same job for a long time. They were grossly underpaid, grossly underpaid. I mean, sometimes by as much as 100 to 150% because they had been in the same job for so long. And one of the, you know, like we talked about earlier, the good traits of Generation X is that we're loyal, but a lot of Gen Xers are realizing they're loyal to a fault. And so that definitely has carried over into their jobs. Um, they stay at employers that undervalue them, that don't pay them what they're worth. They don't have a clear career path. And so a lot of the Gen Xers that I speak to are realizing that they're not making what they're worth. They are ready to change. They, they, but then they're terrified at the thought of changing because they don't want to be disloyal to their employers. And so, you know, I've, I've really partnered with a lot of Gen Xers to help them to see that there's nothing wrong with getting what you're worth in, in your career. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, there's, in fact, you know, when you're heading towards retirement, you should be getting as aggressive as possible about earning as much money as possible, because if you don't earn it now, you're never going to earn it. Right. And for those that do want to retire, I mean, they, they definitely have a lot of lost retirement to shore up because of the economic challenges that we face as a generation. And so, as I talk to more and more of these job seekers, I realized that that was where my true passion was in helping Gen Xers. I mean, not that I don't work with other clients, but my I love working with Gen Xers because I understand exactly where their mindset is. I understand where they're coming from. And, you know, the thing that I find fascinating, one of the things I find fascinating about Gen Xers is that they are, as a generation, a good majority of us struggle to talk about our strengths and they don't want to be perceived as bragging. They don't want to, you know, seem like a raging egomaniac, you know, when they talk about the, their accomplishments in the workplace and they really downplay their accomplishments to their own detriment. And so, I mean, it is sometimes like pulling teeth to get those things out of Gen X candidates. And so for me to be someone who can help you know, my fellow Gen Xer understand that, you know, you need to own your accomplishments. You need to own your achievements. It's okay that you are successful, you know, go after the money that you deserve and that you need for you and your family. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I, it, you know, because it can be a very challenging mindset to overcome for a lot of Gen Xers, because we just, again, we're raised to just put our heads down do what we're told and just do our job. And it's not working for a lot of us. And so they're struggling with how, how do I change that? And should I change it? How and should, you know, I change that? Those are the two biggest questions that, that I get, I think from Gen X job seekers. Awesome. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, Sarah, too, about that pay increase, right? So when you were talking about somebody staying in the role for a long time, from an HR recruiter perspective, I can tell you when we did pay banding, right? You know, you're getting 
here's the range that you might make for this position, right? It's a bottom and a top number, and you're going to get a pay increase every year, roughly three to 5%, maybe, you know, that you're going to get every year. And as soon as you get to that top end of the range, unless you get promoted, there's a lot of companies that'll say, you can't make it anymore, right? They sort of say like, this is the max you can earn. And so, I mean, I've even had it where, you know, people can't make anymore. So their, their company is telling them, oh, well, you, I only could give you these numbers because if I give you higher numbers, then you can't earn more. Right. And so rather than those maybe Gen X people understanding, Hey, I could go out and and go get a new job and probably make 10 grand more than I'm making now. Right. Because my skills weren't that versus having that mindset of loyalty that they're used to from maybe that boomer generation. It's, it's true. I mean, and I've, I've seen it firsthand. I mean, there was a client that, that I worked with that had been in the same job for about 10 years and his boss was probably about 15 years away from retirement. So he was not going to get a promotion until his boss retired and, you know, which is going to be quite some time from now. And so he realized, you know, when, when we started doing market research, you know, he was making around $75,000 a year and he was capped at his income. He was just getting 3% standard 3% annual raises. He was not going to get promoted for 15 years. He was like, and I don't even know, I don't even think I want that job, even if they offer it to me anyway. So what the heck do I do? And so over the course of a two year period of time, we, he went from 70,000 to, I think he's at almost $140,000. He's, he's moved jobs twice and, um, has realized just how grossly underpaid he was and not even just underpaid, but, but not gaining valuable upskilling that he needed for his career because he was in it. And so you know, once he realized just how underskilled he was compared to his peers out in the workforce, he was, you know, realized quickly that he needed to make up a lot of ground. And, and he's done that and, and, you know, consistently moved up in his salary and in his skill sets. And I've seen a lot, I've helped to coach a lot of Gen Xers do that very thing because, you know, you just don't realize sometimes how, undervalued you are when you're just accepting status quo at 3% salary increases. And right now in today's market, a lot of companies aren't even giving that. I mean, if they're giving it, it could be less than 1%, which isn't even keeping up with inflation. So, I mean, there are a lot of factors that, you know, we should all consider in determining whether or not we should stay at our jobs. And I'm a, I'm a big believer in doing an annual career audit. January, you know, the first quarter of every year, everyone should be doing a career audit. You know, do market research. How much are your counterparts being paid? You know, where, what is your career path that you have in front, you know, offered in front of you? When could you potentially receive your next promotion? How likely is it you're going to receive that? What major accomplishments have you had in the previous year? What skills have you gained? And, and to really get real with yourself, are you getting paid enough? Are you in the right place? And, you know, are you stagnating? Because especially if you're a Gen Xer, if, if the answers are yes to those questions, like you are stagnating, you are being underpaid, you are underskilled, undervalued. I mean, you're not doing yourself any favors or your family any favors by staying at a job where 
you're not going to be at your max earning potential. And unless you're lucky enough to have a spouse who makes a lot of money or, you know, you win the lottery or whatever, and money is not really, uh, it's not really a big factor in your life, you know, great. You're one of the lucky ones, but otherwise, if you're actively trying to save for retirement or potentially helping to take care of aging boomer parents or, you know, younger, um, the younger generation, your adult children, or even potentially grandchildren, then earning is extremely important for, for those individuals. And so having a yearly career audit is, is crucial in knowing what next steps you should be taking within your career. Yeah, I've, I've never heard anybody say that, and I love that idea. Um, so I encourage all of our job seekers to do that. One of the things I'll add to that from your standpoint of like looking up your salary, I mean, you can look them up on salary.com, you can use indeed.com, right? But a lot of employers will be like, oh, well, this is not factual because these are individuals reporting their income, right? So I enlighten people into a resource that HR and companies use. HR people are probably going to hate me for this, but um bls.gov it's bureau of labor yes. statistics.gov yes. and the reason why i bring that up is because that's what companies use to benchmark so right. generally how that is is there's a title and we have to match it 75 percent of the time or greater right and then that gives you the pay range not only by a particular title but also by geographic regions um and then also it gives you percentiles and hourly rates and annualized and then it also adds in benefits and other you know commissions and bonuses and things like that of people in those similar titles. And so I always tell people use bls.gov because if you're going and using this as a counter offer, if you're going to negotiate a salary, you can literally say, this is what you and your competitors are reporting. Like this is legitimate fact because the Bureau of Labor Statistics is a government website provided by the DOL, the Department of Labor. So there's no way that they can tell you it's not factual. <laughs> yes, that, that that is a great point because that is also what I use because, you know, like you said, if you, especially if you go to your current employer and you show, you know, the statistics of what other, other companies are paying, especially if there's a large discrepancy in what you're making versus what you should be making, they're going to find every way that they possibly can the majority of the time to not pay you what you're worth. And, and it's sad, but true that the best way, you know, here we are in current job market, the best way to get the raise that you probably deserve is by changing employers. And it's sad that that's the way that it has to be, that employers just, they, they don't factor in um, valuation of employees like they used to 20, 30, 40 plus years ago. I mean, it's, it's how can we stay as lean as possible? You know, how can we, how can we find someone that is in an entry-level role or, or, you know, for an entry-level role that has 10 years of experience, right? I mean, we've all seen those job ads and we all hate them, but that's the mindset that these, these companies have adopted, which is just a joke that, no, someone who is in an entry-level position should have no experience, maybe a year experience, not 10 years of experience. And then they list all the different, you know, the different, you know, data points of what type of exact experience you should have for this entry level position. Like that is, that's a huge pet peeve of mine. So yes, the BLS.org website is, is a great tool to use. Um, if you, if you are going to do that audit and determine whether or not you're getting paid what you deserve. Yeah, so check out BLS.gov. On the flip side, 
I wanted to talk with you. So we've talked a lot about what job seekers can do and, and how they can make some changes with that career audit. But if I'm an employer or a leader or a CEO in my organization, what can I do better to make Gen X feel comfortable or to help them grow in a way that maybe I haven't been thinking about? You know, it's, I think people make it a lot more complicated than it should be. I think employee engagement in general is, is overcomplicated to like the nth degree because what people want to be happy, I mean, here's here, this is like the genius idea of the sensory. Okay. So brace yourself, ask people what they want, ask them what they want. I mean, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's like the, the big idea, right? Like what a concept, it's like, what a concept. <laughs> ask people what they want. I mean, it's not rocket science. It shouldn't be people overcomplicate it to a point that it's, it's just kind of ridiculous. Right. I mean, I know you see it every day, but I think the thing from a Gen X standpoint is don't discount us as candidates because of what you have preconceived ideas of what you think that we would want okay if you see someone who's in a director who's been in a director level role and wants to take a manager level role or even just you know a contributor level role don't don't discount that and think oh well their their salary expectations are going to be you know just way too high i'm not even going to mess with that there are there is you know our gen xers who are at that point where We've been in manager roles for, or director level roles for so long that we're just ready to just be an individual contributor, not worry about managing teams and talking to executive members all day long. You know, we just want to be a contributor and do a really great job, you know, for maybe the next 10 years. Um, so don't discount if people are wanting to go down a few steps in, in their career because, you know, they still can be fantastic employees that aren't going to be, you know, on this ego trip because they've been in director level roles. Not everyone wants that anymore. And then also the, the other thing that I've seen a lot in with Gen Xers in the job market is there's so many of us who are navigating career pivots. Um, unfortunately, because of the state of our nation, teachers are absolutely flocking away from education, you know, K-12 education, and also higher education, unfortunately, in numbers that we have never seen before because they're, you know, grossly underpaid and undervalued and mistreated and bullied and, you know, all the other stories that you hear all day for teachers. But, you know, give people a chance because, you know, for me, when I went through a divorce and, you know, had been a stay at home mom for a while and went to re-enter the workplace. I was told that I would be lucky if I could get a $12 an hour receptionist role. And, you know, that was where it was like, hold my beer and watch me because that's not going to work for me. Right. And, and that is the one thing about generation X is that we can do just about anything given the opportunity, you know? So if you see someone who's pivoting from teaching and they were successful, you know, in their teaching career, give them a chance. And, and again, are too to make a move or, you know, oh, it's the, all they've ever, how are they going to do, be a customer success manager in tech? Or how are they going to do a BDR role in tech? I mean, teachers, let me tell you, if anyone can multitask, it is teachers, right? I mean, what they have to go through in their eight hours a day is 
is absolutely unimaginable for a lot of us. And so, you know, don't discount Gen Xers that are looking to career pivot. Um, so I would say those are, those are the two big things is just don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, if they apply for a role and you have questions, another, another novel idea here, ask questions, you know, under, get to understand them as a candidate, because you could be overlooking some of the best, most dedicated and loyal and high performing talent out there. Because one thing that is, is very notable about Gen Xers is a good majority of of us are extremely high performers. We're we're some of the highest performers in the job market because we give 110% with everything that we do, a lot of us. And so you're really overlooking some of the best candidates that are out there if you're not gonna think about, you know, bringing Gen Xers into your career pool or your uh, candidate pool. Yeah. I like, I like that, you know, you're talking a lot about transferable skills and no matter what generation you're looking at, I think particularly Gen X, but no matter what generation you're looking at, you know, companies lack the ability to say, we're hiring you for your transferable skills, right? We're they looking do. for you to match these bullet points, every single one of them. It's like, no, that's not how this works, right? Take their transferable yeah. skills. When you're talking about stay-at-home moms, I love helping stay-at-home moms career pivot because it's like, you know what? Like people think stay at home moms are just like, oh, I'm sitting at home doing nothing. No, like they manage schedules <laughs> and they have to pick up their kids and they're, you know, they, how many calendars do they have? If you have children, like you probably have a hundred calendars you're managing, right? Yeah, you're, that's right. You're, I do. You're, you're <laughs> the CEO of your whole family, you know? And so people don't give that enough credit about what those transferable skills from being a stay at home mom can bring to an organization. Um, so I think that that's, that's great. Um, one of the things I also wanted to sort of do as a joke, and, and we've talked a little bit about this, but, um, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> so two weeks, two episodes ago, Emily Marash was on and we were talking about the thing that, you know, I can't stand, which is when everybody's like, oh, millennials just want a trophy. Right. And I'm like, okay, but who gave them the trophy? Like who gave them that trophy? That was the, the Gen X and the baby boomers gave us the trophy. We didn't give ourselves a trophy. Um, and so I joke about that a lot because it's like you, your generation, right, wanted to have that trophy participation mindset, right? So you guys gave it to us, but then you're, then the baby boomers are mad at us for getting it. <laughs> I, I, I love this topic. And I think that it's, it is a classic case of good intentions going horribly wrong, horribly <laughs> wrong, because we wanted, we wanted the trophies, like we wanted the latchkey kid of the year award, you know, the sibling <laughs> of the year award, whatever, like we wanted those things. And, and our boomer parents, I'm not going to sit here and have a boomer bashing, you know, fest because clearly my, my parents were boomers, but I, you know, the thing that we have to understand about boomers and, and boomers, you're right. Boomers and millennials, like you're always talked about. We're never talked about. You know, Gen X just kind of glossed over like Gen X, who's that? But boomers, I look at my, my mom who, when I was in seventh grade, she entered the workplace. When my brothers were old enough to be in school full-time, she began working a full-time job. And as a full-time working parent myself, after, after doing that for, you know, years now, I think how hard must that have been? 
for her to, to re-enter the workforce. We didn't have Instacart. We didn't have Uber Eats or, you know, or DoorDash or any of this stuff. We didn't have like me, my, my family would not eat if it were not for Instacart. We wouldn't because I don't have two to three hours in my week to go to the grocery store. And so they didn't have any any of the help and the extra support like we have, they were just winging it, just trying to get by. And so unfortunately us Gen X kids took a lot, we really took on the role of a third parent in a lot of cases, or if it was a single, um, single parent household, we were the second parent and, you know, helped to raise our siblings and we didn't get trophies for it. We didn't get recognition. It was like, that, that's what you do. That's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. They're, rarely was a thank you. I mean, it was just, that's just what was expected. And so when we had children, it's the whole, the whole cyclical curse of we always want better for our kids than we had for ourselves, Right. And so whoever, you know, the OG Karen was that came up with the participation trophy, you know, or whatever her name was, because I'm sure it was a woman that came up with a participation trophy. You know, my baby's extra special. I want everyone to get a trophy because, you know, I never got trophies when I was a kid. My parents couldn't even afford to put me in softball or gymnastics or whatever. And so it started out maybe as a good thing, but then it just has gotten so far off track that there's this overall sense of entitlement in some of the younger generations that they just think they don't have to work for anything. It's literally going to be handed to them. And I, I think it, again, was a classic case of something that was a good intention that went horribly wrong somewhere. I don't even know how it went so horribly wrong. But as a recruiter, I coached a lot of Gen Zers and, and younger millennials on why you need an alarm clock. Why you need to set it? Why you need to be at your job on time? Why you have to go to your job every day if you want to keep your job? Like the, the coaching sessions that I would have, I would just sit there and shake my head. How am I really having these conversations? And so I, I just think that we overcompensated as parents to the point where unfortunately there are a lot of those snowflake children out there that just think that they're so much more special than everyone else. And I do not count you into that category, but you know, there, there just are a lot. And I take full weight and responsibility for my generation and my parents' generation in creating that. And I hope that eventually, I would say, I hope it swings back the other way, but I don't know. I mean, things are just, it's, it's interesting to see the nuances from one generation to another, how the lasting repercussions, you know, have these effects. Like I want my participation trophy for just showing up and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the, the next generation. So and maybe not swing all the way back, but balance out a little bit. Right. I mean, cause I Hopefully. don't think we want to go back to the anti-recognition and, and yeah. you know, that kind of thing, but balance out a little bit so that it's not feeling like if I don't get this, that I'm not successful. Right. We're, right. we're, we're equating it to something else and, and to success and to, um, you know, all of those types of positive feelings. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I, you and I could talk about generations forever. We love generations and work for us. And, um, so tell us a little bit, if you'd like about where you see the future of Gen X nation. Wow. I, I have, 
I have high hopes. Um, the one thing that is recurring that I hear on a regular basis is that Generation X wants community. We want connection. We want community. And we want support and resources where the millennials have, you know, what's it called? The Millennial Action Project. Is that or Millennial Action Plan? I, I, I get it wrong every time, Matt. Um, you know, they have social groups that can affect major change for, for millennials, for example. Um, and then you have boomers who have AARP and all these other things, you know, that are in place to help boomers. We, we have almost nothing for Gen Xers. We're kind of out here on an island by ourselves and being labeled as forgotten and all these other, you know, not so great terms. And so my, my plans would be to my, my dream for Gen Xers is to create a community that is going to offer comprehensive support and resources for Gen Xers from everything, um, from careers and finance to family, um, you know, support to um, health and wellness, because we just don't have a centralized location to be able to, to come together as a generation and find these resources that we desperately need. I mean, it's not that we don't need them, we need them. Everybody needs support, everyone needs community, but um, Gen Xers, we are independent, in not some great ways. I mean, I keep saying to a fault, but we are independent to a fault. I mean, we are very much of the mindset, oh, I can do this myself. I don't need help. Well, everybody needs help, right? Everybody needs help. And so um, what I would love to see is, is the community to continue growing, which it's growing at a really great rate, but continuing to grow and to be able to offer comprehensive support and resources to um, you know, gener generation Xers at scale because we we desperately need it. And in order to overcome some of these major challenges and obstacles that we're facing, like the fact that you know some of us are multi generational households and and you know struggling in this last chapter of our career. Or last I hate saying last chapter. That sounds so vital. Like the the final third of our book of our career. Um, you know, I I think that if we don't have that support, that it's going to be a lot more challenging to do it ourselves versus to embrace the help and to embrace a sense of community. Absolutely. And so before we get to our final question, which everybody knows, because I asked everybody the same final question, I want to find out from you, um, where can people find you or connect with you? What social media platforms are you on? What handles do you have? How can people get to you? Right. So on, so we are now, we've expanded to Facebook and we have the Facebook group and also um, the LinkedIn group. So Gen X Nation and then TikTok, which I'm just learning the technology because, you know, sometimes you got to teach an old dog new tricks, right? So we have a very small presence on there so far. And then also um, the GenXNation.com where you can learn about the community, learn about the future goals. Um, we do offer consulting um consulting services on their career coaching services. And we have a comprehensive network of Gen Xers that we can bring in to help to educate and to help your business from a Gen X, um, you know, point of view. So um, those are, those are where we're at right now and we're growing every day and I'm excited to see where the future is going to take us. I'm excited for you too. I can't wait. And I'll drop all those links in the show notes that people can get to them, but leading up to our last question, um, 
So Maya Angelou, who's my favorite poet of all time, uh, may she rest in peace. She was wonderful. Um, she had this great quote that says, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. People will never forget how you made them feel. Um, and what I'm finding as I'm talking to people is that this is true across the board, right? Whether it's personally or professionally. So can you tell me, have you been in a situation where that quote has sort of rung true for you? The, the situation that comes to mind is I was, um, I was working for a manager. She was also a Gen Xer and, um, she was, she was new to management and, you know, she was struggling to find her way as a manager and just, you know, as a person had a personality that was very difficult to work with. So you partnered those two things together and it was kind of the recipe for disaster. Right. And so, um, we hired this team of some of the most talented people that you've ever seen. I mean, very high performers, just people who were ready to just go in there and just kill it every day in our jobs. And she, hired us all for this very specific set of skills and talents that we brought to the table and almost immediately began to just crush our spirit and crush, you know, who we were, you know, our crush, our individuality, you know, all, everything that made us different that, that we brought to the table, she began to just, you know, crush it. I don't, I don't even know how else to say it. And we went from being the highest performing um, group that the company had seen in I think 25 years to nothing. I mean, we, we basically, we basically were just miserable as a team. And within about a year and a half period of time, they did a complete um, turnover, I think twice within that department. And it was all, because of the manager. I mean, just very, not a great person to be around. I mean, I was the, I was the person that on the way to work every morning, I would literally get physically sick to my stomach. I, I just couldn't take it. I mean, Sunday night scaries, that doesn't even begin to, to convey how myself and my team felt, you know, knowing that we had to go into work the next day. And so once I myself was in a role where I was managing team members. I remembered everything, you know, remembered how she made me feel, how she made my coworkers feel. And they were so just broken and miserable working for a terrible, toxic manager. And so after being in that situation, you know, I ended up managing a very extensive team and I basically had an open door policy, you know, had open communication, you know, tell me, tell me when I suck, tell me, tell me what I like, tell me what I'm doing awful, tell me how I can do it better. And, and working for the worst manager, um, I think made me such a better leader because I realized I don't want to be anything like that. And, and so at the time I was miserable and hated the experience, but it ended up being kind of a, a blessing in the end because, you know, I was, I was in a, a role later down the road where I, unfortunately, it was very high turnover role just through nature of the business. And I would have to regularly, you know, um, terminate employment because of, you know, various reasons. And 
And there was one individual that he hugged me and told me, thank you. When I had to let him go. And I was like, okay, what, what is happening? And he's like, he's like, I know I deserved, I know, I know I deserve this. I, I knew that it was going to happen and it's all my fault. But he said, I just wanted to thank you for fighting for me and doing everything that you could, you know, to help me be better every single day. And, you know, to see individuals succeed in, in other situations where they may have failed, was the best feeling in the world. And so for me, I'm grateful that I had that manager because it helped shape me into probably a very different leader that I ultimately would have become. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I know I'm far from perfect. My husband would definitely tell you I'm far from perfect, but um, I, I do like to think that now I'm hyper aware of when I work with other people of how I make them feel and how um, we work together, whether it's a coworker, you know, in peer or whether it's in a management type of role. And even just as a contributor, you know, I, I like to think that, that I'm much better than I would have been otherwise not having seen firsthand how just, you know, destructive you know, bad behavior from management can be in the workplace. So I know it's not warm and fuzzy like you probably wanted, but that's the first thing that that comes to my mind when I think about how your actions so much affect everyone around you. And if they're negative actions and you have employees who are constantly, you know, going to your superiors and complaining and, you know, filing formal complaints, like, there's some self-reflection that, that should probably be happening. And hopefully, you know, people as leaders are not, um, that they're willing to take a look in the mirror when they need to take a look in the mirror. So I think we all should be like that anyway, but I'm with you on that one. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. It was great to have Sarah with us. And as always lead with empathy, act with kindness. Have a great day y'all. Thanks, Elisa. Thank you for listening to All People Podcast. If you enjoyed our show, I'd love for you to subscribe and leave a five-star review. The work doesn't end here. If you want to keep the conversation going, find me on LinkedIn or Facebook or visit my website, apeoplepartnerllc.com. Lead with empathy and act with kindness. Have a great day.